Hallelujah. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Whew. That was strong. That was strong. I cannot wait to give him this after church today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Don't even want to let go of it. <laughs> Thank you, church. It's a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. All right. I can do this. Woo. First thing. First thing is this. We, we did lose. We lost a member here a couple weeks ago. Some of you may known who he was. His name was William Reese. William Reese. He, his wife died a couple years earlier. Pearl, I think, was her name. And they, lived, they sat right back there, right beside the sound booth there. And uh, he, uh, they found him in his bed, uh, in his apartment, and he was gone. And the crazy thing is, is um, Brother Bud Lively was trying to find a picture of him. We have no pictures of William Reese. Nobody could find one. He's not on Facebook. His family never contacted us if he had a family. Uh, we thought he had a son. Never mentioned his son all the years that he had come here. You know, he wouldn't talk, he wouldn't talk about those things. So we found no picture. We found nothing. But his Bible. This is his Bible. <laughs> he used it a lot, didn't he? And what was so neat about this Bible was it's sitting right back there where he sat and it says William Reese is leaving this Bible in the seat please do not remove it from the seat <laughs> that's better than a reserve sign amen so we just we wanted to honor him we did get a hold of the, the funeral home. They cremated him the very next day. No service, no nothing, no anything. But listen, he don't care. Oh, where he's at right now, he could care less. Amen? Amen. But we wanted to honor William Reese. He would always sit out there in there and talk to people. And those of you who come once a month for our prayer, if you've ever picked up a prayer request, he always had a prayer request there. I'm not sure how long after his wife died that he requested this, but in his prayer request, I picked it up. I know several did. I'm looking for a good-looking wife. <laughs> and it's funny because then on the bottom it said, a young one. <laughs> I love it. Hallelujah. That's so great. But you know what? God gave him something much better. He gave him himself. Praise the Lord. So we're going to honor him. I talked to Pastor Ed. We're going to put Bibles in his name from the Gideons just to keep his name everywhere. Amen? So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You want that? There you go. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, today we're going to wrap up our, uh, our champion series. And um, I titled it The Smallest Title I Could Make It. And that is anchoring our families to Jesus, our champion. So I really wanted to talk about the family today. Because the family is very important. And the devil hates the family. Hates the family with a passion. And so our go-to scripture verse has been Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And it said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith... Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. 
And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Not our eyes on the television, not our eyes on sports, not our eyes on our job, but our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects your faith and my faith. And Pastor Rick, our Dayton campus pastor, he started out the series And I suggest you go back and listen to all of them. And people have said they have, and they're really good. And they've been enjoying them, and they're learning from them. But he said, the greatest champion of all lives on the inside of you and me. That was a great statement. It was a beautiful statement, and it's truth. And that champion, Jesus, helps us run this race with an active persistence to win. He helps us. We're not on our own doing this life. He is there with us every step of the way guiding us if we'll let him, talking to us if we'll let him. Hallelujah. And then Pastor Nicole started talking on Gideon and how God called him a champion, even though he didn't believe in himself, even though he didn't think he was a champion. You see, God don't call us what we think we are to ourselves. He calls us how he made us. He calls us what he created us to do and be for him. And Gideon was called a mighty man of valor when yet he was in a cave like a chicken hiding. God saw him for who he could be, who he was, not the way he was acting. And it's okay. He he didn't really trust God because he really didn't know God. But yet, as she brought out, he would say, well, if it's really you, God, then do this. And he took a step. And okay, okay, I get that, but, but now here's another fleece. Do this. And oh, he, okay, I take a step. But you know, the important part is that God was patient with him. God was kind with him. And why he was a man of valor and why he succeeded is because even though God really was like, oh my gosh, okay, here's another one and here's another one. Here's, he obeyed. He was obedient. And God was okay with that. He was okay with, well, I'm not too sure But I'm going to ask this, and if you do this, I'll do it. And he did it. So God is kind, tender-hearted. He's slow to anger. His mercy endures forever. If you're like Gideon, it's okay. It's okay to be like him. Praise God. God is patient and kind. Psalms 145.8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy toward you and I. Hallelujah, and that's a blessing. Then last week she talked about David and talked about he is a typology of Jesus. Oh, and it's so good. The Israelites were in a stand uh, off with the Philistines for 40 days and nights, and their champion was Goliath. He made fun of Israel, cursed God, taunted them every day. And guys, that's what the world does to you and I. They curse our Jesus. They curse us. They taunt us. They make fun of us. They make fun of Christians. They hate God and despise our Bible. Just like Goliath did to the children of Israel. Pastor Nicole mentioned that David was sent by his father He was doing his father's will to bring food and cheese to his brothers. Jesus came to earth to do his father's will as well. Hallelujah. 
David grabbed five smooth stones, and the number five means grace. Well, hello, how many know Jesus is grace? Hallelujah, he is. And David defeated a disgusting, sinful giant and set Israel free, just as Jesus defeated sin and set the captives free. Come on. And John 8, 36 says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You and I are free. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's so good. And after 40 days and nights, Israel shouted in victory because David, their champion, defeated the Philistines. After Jesus, our champion, fasted for 40 days and nights, he defeated the devil's temptations and came out of that desert in the power of the Holy Spirit and crushed the devil for three and a half years. Woo! Hallelujah. Made a mess of him. And in Revelations 1.18, Jesus says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. That is our savior. That is our champion. That is our king that you and I serve. No other dead God has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. They're dead as well. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is our champion. Praise God. And he loves us and he's alive. We have a better covenant than that old covenant. Amen. I'm so thankful I'm not in the old covenant. I'd be dead, stoned to death a long time ago. It'd be over for me. The old covenant, Old Testament has blood, old blood that couldn't sustain. Had to be over and over and over again. But thank God that you and I have a better covenant, a new covenant New blood, an everlasting blood. The new covenant is an everlasting covenant. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. A blood covenant is the strongest covenant between two people. It cannot be broken. And that's the covenant that he has between you and me. He said in Psalms 89, 34, God said, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out from my lips. It's everlasting, guys. This is the type of champion that we serve. He will not go back on his word, cannot go back on his word. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Yes. Covenant means to cut. Thank God Jesus did all the cutting. He took all the shame. He's the one that got mauled when we should have been mauled. He did it for us. Hallelujah. And all we have to do is the simple part. Repent. 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 And he'll take us in and we'll be his. Wow, what a champion that we have. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Woo, praise God. Pastor Rick brought up some people who are champions in this world because of their records in the sports realm. And that's great. He brought up good old Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. Great champions in the world for the records that they did. And that's good. But I'm going to bring up today some names as well. But these are people the world calls champions, but they are very hostile toward our champion, Jesus, uh -huh. and the Christian world. 
And some of you may know some of these people, some of you may not. But after I talk about them, you're going to know who they are. The first one is Conor McGregor. How many of you know Conor McGregor? Seen as fighting. Dude, the guy can fight. All right, he, he, they can fight. UFC fighter. The boy is crazy. He can fight. But TMZ asked him a question. They asked him about Jesus. And here's what he said. He said, I don't know about Jesus, but there ain't a man alive that can beat me. Jesus ain't alive now, is he? But maybe he can come back from the dead and I'll whip his blank. That's a direct quote from Mr. Conor McGregor. But here's the thing. Conor said no man can beat him, but you know, he lost six times in the UFC. He also lost against Floyd Mayweather in his first boxing debut by getting knocked out in the 10th round. I don't think Jesus is going to have a problem with Mr. Mayweather. <laughs> Here's another one. I love this guy's movies. Morgan Freeman. Most of us know Morgan Freeman. He says, I believe in God. I believe in me. And they are one and the same. Listen, I think he's played God too many times in his movies. That's what I think. <laughs> now, <laughs> there's another lady. Oh, I'll tell you, hallelujah. Her name is Kathy Griffin. I know. Here's what she had to say about Jesus. People come up here and they thank Jesus for this award. I want you to know that no one had less to do with this award than Jesus. He didn't help me a bit. If it was up to him, Caesar Milan would be up here with that dog. So all I can say is, this award is my God now. Yeah. Heck with you, Jesus. This award is my God now. Why are you not supposed to have any other gods before? Jesus. You know, isn't God's grace good? and merciful and long-suffering, she's still alive. <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. Here's another one. Anna Kasperian. I didn't know who this woman was. I didn't know how popular she was. I didn't know that she's a champion in a lot of people's eyes. And she is a host of the Young Turks. And here is her political view of Christians. These comments might be strong, but it's how I genuinely feel. Um, I don't care that you're a Christian. I don't care what the Bible says. Like, I feel like it's a clown show, like sitting here trying to decipher what your little mythical book has to say about these very real political issues, right? I don't care if you're Christian. In fact, I will fight for you to have your religious liberty and practice your Christianity. I believe in that. I don't believe in Christianity, which means that you do not get to dictate the way I live my life based on your religion. I don't care what the Bible says. You have every right in the world, all those women who identify with your religion have every right in the world to not get an abortion, to not take birth control, but they do not have the right to dictate my life and what I decide to do with my body. I don't care about your religion. I'm so tired of having nonstop conversations about what the Bible says. You live your life in the way that you interpret the Bible. Again, I don't care, but you don't get to take the Bible and tell me, well, the Bible says this in this chapter, in this verse, I don't care. I don't care. I don't believe in it. And I have the right based on our constitution to not believe in it. It's fine. She does. It's okay. It's all right. She's a sinner. She needs Jesus. 
You know, we all know people like that. I'm not angry with her. You know, one day she's going to meet him, whether she believes in him or not. Every knee shall bow. The Bible said every tongue will con- confess, Miss Anna. Every knee will bow. Beyonce is a champion in the world. And you know, I can't believe I didn't, I don't listen. I'm not any better than anybody else. I don't listen to secular music. I just don't. I, I, I know some of it's not bad, but I don't know the person who wrote it. I don't know if they're worshiping the devil. I don't know what's behind it. All I know is Satan was the head of it in heaven. And I know he's doing a lot of stuff through music. So I just don't listen to it. It's just me. Okay, you like it? Go ahead. But there's a lot of Christians who think Beyonce is amazing. And I didn't know who she was. I know I've seen a picture of her or whatever. But I decided to look her up. Shouldn't have done that. Should have had Nicole by that computer. So, but I found a picture, and it's a new picture, basically, and there's the Last Supper, and she put herself in the picture in front of Jesus in the Last Supper. What? And then I read a couple lyrics of her song. I know we're all adults in here. But she says that she uses the pages of the Bible to stop her monthly. So that's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. These are, these are champions that the world calls champions. It's crazy. And they just need Jesus. They just need the Lord. You know? And the last one I'm going to use today is Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey. You know she's a giver though, you know? You got to give her something. She's a giver. She gives. A lot better than Christians at times. You know, but she's just wrong, sincerely wrong on a lot of things and a lot of issues, and Christianity is one of them. But she lied to hundreds of college students when she said to them that the most powerful thing that you have is your truth. Really? What does that even mean? You know what? Your truth means that you can't come against anything you say. Nada. It doesn't matter what you say. Now, I could come against an opinion or have another opinion. But in the world's terms, when it comes to my truth, you have no say. That's pretty crazy. So she told all these college kids, your truth is powerful. There's no such thing as your truth or my truth. There's only the truth. That's what stands. And a lot of you were here on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago, and I taught on my truth versus the truth and brought her in on that. And now you have kids today suing their parents because they didn't ask them first if they could be born. I don't even understand that statement. I know a lot of you don't either. Like, what? And here are very ignorant judges taking these cases on. What can you say as a judge? Mom, Dad, why didn't you ask Susie if she wanted to be born first? Before you had her. I wasn't even thinking about Susie Judge. What in the world? It's insane. And so weird judges are taking these kind of idiotic cases. You can't trust schools today allowing kids in kindergarten to determine whether they feel like being a boy today or a girl today. Sneaking in books. Bad books. Sexual books to little kids in kindergarten, first, second, third, and fourth grade. It's ridiculous. 
It's insane. And of course, Disney is slowly trying to desensitize us with words and cartoon scenes. And I know that as foul as most of this is, it doesn't and shouldn't surprise us. Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, but mark this, there will be what? What does it say? Terrible times in the last day. That's a scary word. And we're living in the last day. And everything I mentioned is just the crust of what's happening in America today, let alone the world. It's terrible. Terrible what's happening in these last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous. They're going to be rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Well, that's not love. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. It's crucial in these last days that we are not associated with this stuff. God knows better than we know. How are we supposed to anchor our families to Jesus, our champion, in these last and final days? Our scripture stated in Hebrews that we are in a race. But let's look at 1 Corinthians 9 and 24. It says, do not or do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Well, not today. Every child needs a participation trophy. Every child's a winner. No, sorry. Even in slam, I get a little child that cries every now and then. I'll let him cry for a little bit. But after that, I've said, all right, you're done. It's a piece of candy. Wait till you get in the real world, buddy. <laughs> Hallelujah. We love them through it. Run in such a way as to get the prize. We got to run. Matthew 24, 13 says, the one who does what? Endures to the end will be saved. I'm going to do what it takes to win. And so should you. Hallelujah. So as a family of faith, what does a picture of endurance look like, especially when sin so easily trips us up, especially when the world's coming against us like never before? What does a picture of the family, your family, look like? Here's what I want my family to look like right here. That's what I want. Man, dad's got the Uzi. Mama's got the gun. My baby's got a knife. You know, this is, come and get me, Satan. This is what I want to be like. Come on, I dare you. Come at my door, sucker fool. I'm going to shoot first and ask questions later. You know, that's what our flesh wants. That's what my flesh wants. But we have to remember, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting a spiritual battle. And so the gun that we need to use is this gun right here. This is the gun right there that we need to use to fight our battles. Amen? And this is what our family should look like right here, fighting against this spiritual war that we're fighting. Show that next one. 
That's what we need. That's what we should be doing as a family of faith. That's how we're going to win the battle. Not with guns and rocks and swords and spears, but on our knees in prayer. That's how we're going to win and defeat the devil in these last days. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As a family of faith in these last terrible days, we have to be anchored into our chief cornerstone, our champion, Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There's no other way. It has to be him. We have all seen what happens to boats in a storm when they're not anchored properly. I had some pictures to show you. When they're not anchored down or they're not prepared, the boats like are just crazy. They're like on stuff, and you'll see the pictures as they come up here. I have several of them if they come up. Maybe they're not coming up. I don't know. Maybe not come up. But you've all seen the pictures. You know, they're just on houses and on streets and because they're not anchored right. They're not anchored properly. We have to be anchored properly. And we have to be anchored to that cornerstone, to Jesus Christ. Amen? All husbands in here today, you are the spiritual head of your house. The spiritual head. You have to be anchored to Jesus first as a spiritual head. We've got to be anchored. David, you're my Jesus today. All right? You mean, I know it's, it's, a, it's, a hot, it's going to be hard to do. All right? But we have to be anchored to Jesus. And David is our anchor. He's our, he's our anchor. He's Jesus. We've got to be anchored to him. We have to hold on to him in these last terrible days. The Bible says that, hello, even the adults, the world actually says, not the Bible, that we have to put what? Our mask on first on an airplane before we can even help our kids or the rest of the family. Even the world knows the order that's supposed to happen to take care of yourself. And husbands and fathers, it's up to you. You're the head of your home. You're the spiritual head of your house. You've got to hold on to Jesus and anchor yourself to him first. Then you can help your family. Now, if you're here and you don't have a, a father or a, a husband, you know, you're the wife, you're the mother, you're the grandparents, you're raising those kids, then guess what? It's you. You're the spiritual head. You've got to grab on. You've got to hold on and not let go. No matter how big the storms are, no matter what happens, you've got to hold on and not let go. Amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. We have to be anchored to our champion before we can be a champion to our family. It's hard sometimes. Hard to be that because we're human. All parents, grandparents, we have to rise up. Single parents, rise up, hold on, and fight. Fight. We have to be the anchor to our champion. We have to be an example to our kids because they are watching us. Every move we make, they're watching us. They are. Do they see you pray? Do they see you read your Bible? Do they see you put God first, make right choices, make church a priority? All those are important, not just one or two. They all are important. What do they see when you have a struggle? Do they see you hold on and pray? Or do you see you something else? When, they, when you get angry or upset, what do they see? What do they hear? 
Oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, I thank you that I'm going to be kind, loving, and tenderhearted, and forgiving. I'm not going to go out and beat the fire out of them. Do they hear you cuss or do they hear you pray? Are you holding on to this or do you let go of it? Whenever a trial comes, a hardship comes, something doesn't go your way, ah, whatever. I'm going to do it my way. I'll do it. No, I ain't even going there. (laughs) Hebrews 5.12 says, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you elementary truths of God's word all over again. It is very dangerous to be a Hebrews 5.12 Christian in these last terrible days. Very dangerous. Very dangerous to be doing it on your own and not holding on to Jesus, being anchored to him in these last days. Is there a little kid in here? A little child in here? Is there anybody got a little kid in here? Back there where? How, I mean, can they hold on to a rope? Come here. Come on up here, man. Come here. Yeah. Man, look at you. You look good today. <laughs> yeah, our shirts match. I love it. Dude, we didn't plan this. Come on up here. Come on up here. All right. What's your name? Noah. Noah. Ooh, what a name. Woohoo! Noah. Listen, I want you to hold on to this rope, but get in front of me. Here, don't straddle it. Come here. Yeah, get in front of it, okay? Now just hold on to that rope, okay, and don't let go. Hold on with both hands. All right, listen, this is what the family looks like. All right, he's holding on to the rope. He's in front of me. You know, when I have my kids on jet skis, I always put them in front of me when they were young because that's all I want to do is have fun. Woo, hey, aren't you having fun, Quentin? Oh, my gosh. Oh, where'd he go? No, we protect our kids. You know, they're in front. They're holding on to Jesus. We teach them. We nurture them. We raise them in the admonition and nurture of the Lord. Hold on. Hold on to the rope. But, you know, the kids, they can't do it by themselves yet. They're not mature enough. So we have to help as well. And then when they let go of the rope, because they're going to let go of the rope, and then they're going to kind of like go off. And like, whoa, Noah, get back here, bro. Get back here. Get back onto this rope. All right? Now listen, don't be doing that to your sister again. You hear me? You understand me, boy? All right? Don't you dare put slime in her bed again. I don't care what she did to you. I don't care that she took your toy. Listen, Jesus says, love your sister. You hear me? All right? Yes, Pastor Randy. Yes. But they're here. We guide them until they're old enough to hold on to the anchor for themselves. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Noah. Love you, man. Give him a big round of applause. Yes, Noah. Woo! Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh Uh-oh, Miss Nicole's got something for you. All right, praise God. Usually, if I had a candy bar, he'd have one. Amen. (laughs) Bringing them to the house of God whenever the church doors are open. Sending them to church camps on mission trips, bringing them to all the special events, going to Christian concerts, helping like even the Christian uh, Christmas boxes, taking them to the store, doing whatever we need to do, bringing them here to have the box, you know, stuff that we're going to do here in October. Whatever, all those things are helping you anchor your kids to the cornerstone Jesus Christ. It all helps. It all is good. You teach them when life gets hard, you hold on. You just hold on and don't give up. Don't let go and don't run away from God. Run to him. 
We adults need that lesson as well. Run to him. I don't care if you've failed 200 times. I don't care if you just seem like it. Forget it. I've asked him for forgiveness 100 times. It doesn't matter. He will take you back. Keep holding on. Don't let go. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Isaiah 7, 9 says, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. You will not stand at all. Without being anchored to Jesus, using our offensive weapons, which is the Bible, prayer, living by faith, we will not have the endurance we need and we will let go of the rope, take our eyes off the champion and be conformed to this world. And we'll be lost. We'll be lost. There's a reason Jesus said that only a remnant is going to make it to heaven. When we are anchored, we are able to help others as well. Is Dylan here? Dylan, are you here? Raise your hand if you're here. No, you're not here? Dylan gave his life to the Lord a, a couple weeks ago. Dylan's not here. Well, that's okay. Let's see here. Come here, John. I'll use you. You're my front row guy. Come here. John, take, take hold of that rope somewhere over here. All right, it's a heavy rope now. You sure you don't need your wife to help you hold it up? Okay. All right. Listen. When we, when we are held to our cornerstone, when we are doing what God says to do to the best of our ability, John, he's saved. He's a brother in the Lord. He's part of the church. Let's say he's going through something. He gives me a call. Pastor Randy, man. I need some help. Brother John, I need help too, man. I can't help you. I can't even help myself. No, but when we're anchored to Jesus, I can go like this. Come here, John. Come on. Come here. Come here. Come here. That's right. I got you, buddy. I'm going to pray for you, buddy. Your wife will start giving you an allowance, I'm sure, buddy. We're going to pray this in. Whatever he needs, I'm there for him. I can pull him to me. I can pull him to me, give him strength through prayer, whatever he needs. And then he can take that rope again. He's got that rope and he can go back where he needs to be. But yet we're here as a church for each other. They can call on us at any time and we can help pull them in. Come on, man, I got you. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna pray this thing through together. We have our backs. We're for each other. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Brother John. Nicole, do you have a piece of candy for Brother John? No? Okay. (laughs) Hallelujah. Listen, here's the deal, guys. Your tattoos, your clothes, your jewelry, even your business cards do not have to point to our champion, Jesus Christ. But your lifestyle does. Your lifestyle needs to. Write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, write it down anyway. We should always be preaching the gospel everywhere we go. And sometimes use words. You understand that? Sometimes use words. That means our light, what we do, is so much more important than what we say. Where we go is so much more important than what we say. How we treat others is more important than what comes out of our mouth. Our actions speak louder than our words. Our fruit should be showing the gospel that is inside of us. Yes, sometimes use words. 
but our lifestyle has to be anchored to Jesus. And people need to see it. Whether they accept us or whether they don't, it does not matter. In Acts 27, 13, Paul was a prisoner on a ship. And he tried to warn the centurion not to sail to Phoenix. But the pilot and most of the 276 people on board agreed. This is a champion in the New Testament. Pastor Nicole got the old champions. I got the new champions in the New Testament. Paul was a champion, guys. A champion. Verse 13 says, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of a hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by a storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called, yeah, whatever, Kadua, whatever, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it abroad. They had to throw cargo overboard. And on the third day, they, were, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Jump down to verse 20. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They gave up. Now Paul encourages them to keep their courage. And he said in verse 23, Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and serve. What was he telling the 276 people? I am hooked to the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. I serve him. He's my God. He's testifying to them, telling them who he is because he was a prisoner on this ship, guys, a prisoner. He's telling them, my God, whom I serve and whom I belong. Those men whom he was anchored to stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has generously given youth, uh, your lives of all who with you and sail with you to you. In other words, you're going to be okay. And the angel said, don't worry, Paul. Because of you, all these people are going to be safe because I have a plan for you. Verse 27, on the 14th night, are you kidding me? On the 14th, in a half hour, I was throwing up on a boat. So was Jamie Compton <laughs> and his wife. <clears throat> Anyhow, I won't go there. On the 14th night, we were still been driven across the Adriatic Sea in verse 29, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks. They dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. They cut the anchors loose in verse 40, and the ship ran aground and was torn to pieces by the waves. But everyone reached land safely. Paul's champion, the one in whom he served, had saved them all. Hallelujah. Here's the deal. Those anchors didn't just save Paul and the crew. They helped them survive the storm. This right here, being anchored to Jesus, our champion, will help us survive the storms of life that come against you and I. Whatever that storm is, he will keep us through the storms of life that we go through. As long as we are right here holding on to him, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. You know, life has a way of blindsiding us with major storms that we don't see coming. I think a lot of us have had those. We were blindsided, Nicole and I was, when we found out that our baby wasn't formed right. And most of you know this story. 
and that we should abort it from what the doctor had said. But you know what? I picked up this rope. I picked up the rope. I didn't think twice. And I anchored myself to the promises of what Jesus said about my kids. And I did not waver. I never laid this thing down once. I looked straight and anchored. And sometimes, man, I had to pull. But you know what? He held me. He held me. There were times that it was tough on her, seeing that nothing had changed, that the storm was still raging. At times, yeah, okay, we felt maybe there's no hope. And even if we felt that, we never said it. But we kept holding on. And unfortunately, that storm wasn't just 14 days like Paul. It was over six months, the storm that we went through. And yeah, I had to help her at times. We'd go back and nothing's changed, Mr. and Mrs. Waters. We need you to do this and that. Nope, 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 honey. Are you taking your one hand off of that rope? Get it back on here, woman. We're not giving up. We don't care what we see. Hallelujah. We're not moved by what we see. We are moved by what God says. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) There were days. It was rough, just like Paul said. Like there was no hope. Here's the other thing that we had to do. We had to throw overboard the whys. We had to throw overboard the why us. We had to throw overboard what did we do wrong? We had to throw overboard, well, God, but you said, why are we going through this? We had to throw all that stuff overboard and not believe it and continue to hold on for dear life. Doubting is like letting go of the rope. And when you do, the waves of the sea will toss you and take you wherever they want. Weathering storms build your faith and it builds confidence. You have to hang on to the truth of God's word in the midst of your circumstances. And you know when a storm comes, you'll know just how deep or shallow your anchor is. And I think I have a picture of this anchor. I hope it comes up here. If that's your anchor in a storm... I don't even know why they make those things. Those things couldn't stop a, a play boat in a bathtub. But if that's your anchor, I suggest that you hold on tight and start digging in and getting into the word a lot more for your problem. Is that right there ain't going to hold much. You know what I mean? It's not going to hold much at all. Hallelujah. Stay anchored to your church, people. We need each other. And it's so important that you have brothers and sisters in Christ holding on to the rope with you in times of your storm. And here's the thing, guys. We're locked in. We're locked in. We're there. I'm never letting go. I'm here, baby. I'm in this thing. And you know what? We raise our kids up. We try to teach them what's right and wrong. But there could be a time, and your kids might be right now, where they just, they let go. And when they let go, they start to drift. You have no clue where they're going, what they're doing. You hear things. What? Are you kidding me? I taught them better than that. I raised them better than that. But they're still drifting. 
They're still drifting. Maybe they've been drifting for years. I don't know how far they're gone. But you know, the word does not return void. And someday, somewhere along the line, maybe when they hit the bottom and they don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit is going to jerk them. And hopefully we pray that they hold back on, pick up the rope, and then Jesus is going to start pulling them back to himself. Hallelujah. We don't give up hope. We continue to pray because we know what's inside of them. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't ever give up. Don't ever lose hope for your kid, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they're going through, or what they've done to themselves. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, I'm going to close with this. This generation screams and yells that you need to be yourself. Embrace who you are. Embrace your sexuality, and if it makes you happy, just do it. You won't find that in the Bible anywhere. You won't find it there. The Bible says just the opposite. We are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. We have been bought with a price. We are not our own. That's what the Bible teaches. Well, of course the world's going to be just the opposite of this. We've been bought with a price. And here's the other thing. Because here's the deal, guys. This is the 21st century and we can't be blindsided to what's going on in the world, especially with our young people. You know, sometimes a lot of churches, we, we want to just not look at things that are tough. Tough things that our kids do and generations, these generations today do. But we've got to come at it head on. We've got to come at it with love. You know, these kids today, they say they are a binary person, which means they're neither boy or girl. They say they are a gay person. They say that they are a homosexual person. They say that they are a transsexual person. But here's the problem with that. You cannot be those things as a person. It's impossible to be those things as a person. They can only be two people either a boy or a girl, either a man or a woman. They either have the X in the Y chromosome or the double Y chromosome, I think. That's the women's, right? Yeah. That's all they can be, you guys. And we love these, these kids. We love these people. But they cannot be those things. What they're talking about there, those are defining their desires, their obsessions, their behaviors, and their attractions. It has nothing to do with people. They can't be those things. It's impossible. And they can't separate their sin from who they were created to be because they think they're one and the same. The devil has deceived them. He's deceived them. And being mean and nasty... To those people who are not going to win them to the Lord. They need Jesus just like a liar needs Jesus. Just like any kind of a sinner needs Jesus. We pray that their eyes are opened. That they receive the truth and that they start grabbing on and holding on. And you know it's happening. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. They see that, oh my gosh, this isn't right. I'm not satisfied. No matter what they do to their bodies, 
Listen, that hole is still there that Jesus put there for him. And they're going to have to make the choice, just like the liar is, just like anybody else is, to let go of themselves and hold on to Jesus. And he will help them. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. They're only going to drift so far, guys. Parents, if this is you, you have a child that's going through something, they're only going to drift so far. You've raised them up. You're never giving up. They will come back to the Lord in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. There's too many Christians drifting. They're caught up in the secularized society, political bias, racial tension, conspiracies, alternative lifestyles, and so much more. And Galatians 5, 7 says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Who did it? Who were you listening to? Who did you start listening to? Who did you start to follow? You were doing great. You were holding on to the champion. You let go. What happened? You were doing so well. If a person you're listening to can't even do the basics of what the Bible says, you need to block them. Cut them off. Don't let them cut in and take you away from the gospel. It's dangerous times, guys. Dangerous times. Oh, hallelujah. Galatians 6, 9 says this in closing. I'm running in running our race, let's not grow weary in doing good. Let's not grow weary in it. It's going to be tough. Terrible times are here. But God has put in each and every one of you what you need to deal with it. You were born in this time, in this place, to deal with such things that we're dealing with today. Hold on to that rope. Hold on to that cornerstone. Hold on to our champion, and we will get through it together. Everybody stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer team, come down. I know it's, it's getting late, 1146, but hey, it's only once a week. Twice a week, maybe. We watch football for three and a half hours. This is so much more important than football. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. If you've never held on to this rope and you're here today, this is your chance. This is your chance. I want you to come down. I want you to come down. I want you to grab this rope with me. Grab this rope. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, come down and grab it. Let's say you've been drifting. I've been drifting, Pastor Randy. I'm a drifter. I'm tired of drifting. Come down, grab this rope right now. Yes, in front of everybody. Jesus was humiliated in front of everybody. Naked on that cross. But he disregarded the humiliation, he said, for the victory and what was to come. And that's for you and me to be saved. Anybody here at all, you've been drifting or you've never picked up this rope before, come on down. We'll wait for you. We're family. You know, Dylan got saved a couple weeks ago. He told me he's going to be here today. He was supposed to be baptized on a Wednesday night and he got in a monster car accident. The car didn't make it, but he did. But that Sunday, he got baptized. He was here. A lot of you guys saw him up here. Somebody gave him a vehicle the next day. 
And you know, we're talking about this rough, we're talking about the body of Christ and how we need each other. He gave me a call out of the blue. Now he's holding on to the rope. He said, Pastor Andy, it's been tough this week, man. The devil wants me back so bad. I know he does. I know he does. He said, but I'm holding on to the rope. He said, but I have a problem, Pastor Andy. I said, what's your problem, Dylan? He said, I ran out of gas and I don't have any money and I'm on the side of a road. Can you help me? Where are you at, Dylan? I'm in Lima. I'm in Botkins, Dylan, but I'll be there. And you know what? I got in my car and I went there and I took that rope and I brought him to me. I said, I got you, my friend. And we pushed that car to that gas station and into that hole there and I filled his tank up to where not another inch could come in that thing. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Hallelujah. Now today, you have a family. You're a father. I want you to gather who's in here, the family that you have. Hold their hands. And I want you to do something maybe that you don't do often. I want you to pray over your family. I want you to pray over your family. I want you to pray over your kids. Grab your wife's hand. If you don't have a wife or a husband, come on up here right now. Listen, we handpicked these prayer teams. We know who they are and what they do. If you don't have one, come on up here. If you're single, you need somebody to pray with, come on up here. We're gonna pray for you right now. If you got your family, you can be in a circle, you don't have to be square. Just grab your family. Nicole, come up here. Hallelujah. Grab your wife's hand, your husband's hand. Some of you girls that are friends, Thank I you, see Jesus. a lot of you here without a husband. Hallelujah. Grab your friends. Yes, grab these them. Are, these are your church family. Grab them Come together. on. Hallelujah. Make a circle. Church Thank family, you. be a family. You Thank you. Come on fear. up here. Pull them in. Pull them in. Look at that. Grandparents, parents, I just want you to start praying these things. I wrote down over, over them. I want you to pray for their protection right now in Jesus' name. I want you to pray for wisdom right now in Jesus' name over your family. Don't let it be embarrassing. Hallelujah. Just, just take a step of faith and do it right now. You see what God is going to do for your family right now. Pray against weariness weaknesses pray they will stand firm in their faith in these last terrible days in Jesus name pray that their lifestyles will lead others to Jesus pray against deception if you're at home pray right now pray right now pray over your family right now Pray over yourself right now. Speak out loud to yourself right now. God's promises for you in your life right now. Hallelujah. Pray they will hold on to their champion, Jesus, no matter what. Pray they won't be conformed to this world. Hallelujah. Right now in Jesus' name. Pray that they will listen to the truth in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Pray that they will prosper in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, that their kids are protected, that the seeds that they learn in kids' church and in youth church, those seeds will not return void in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
Rebuke the devil over your home in Jesus' name. Rebuke curses over your family right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for the body of Christ, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for right now moving in this house on these families. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.